Hello, welcome to episode 147 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm Stephen Hill and I'm joined by my co-host, my friend, and a man in a slightly tidier house than usual. <laughs> it's Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey. Hello, mate. How are you doing? You alright? I'm good, mate. It's good to look at something behind you which is... It's kind of organised rather than the squalid yeah. hell pit that you used to live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, moving will do that. Uh, uh, it will, I would say. Uh, but I wasn't judging. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was judging a little bit. No, yeah, I know, I know, I know you were judging. Uh, no, it's all it's all pretty nice here. Uh, I am now smack bang in the old central London, which is um, odd and strange, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's good. It's very hot here. I had aircon mm. in the last place, and I don't have aircon here, and I'm. I'm not happy about it. I'm perspiring, per, per, perspiring at an alarming aircon. rate. Yeah, I had aircon on my love, place. You, you fucking love talking about aircon. Oh, you? I fucking love it. I love it. Love he it. Brought it up during. He brought, we'll talk about our Morbid Angel special in a bit. And Renfrey spent <laughs> ten minutes from a podcast about one of the greatest metal death metal albums ever talking about air conditioning. That is true. <laughs> I thought I made a pretty decent point, which I don't think other publications have made. Just saying. No. Well, I think you made a point that no other publications have made. I'll give you that. (laughs) Just trying to empathise with the way that they were operating and the way that they were working and yada, yada, yada. And I don't know why I'm Mm. going Paul McCartney at this moment. But yes, yeah, I was just doing that. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, uh, on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new music from Rise Against, Red Fang, Boss Keloid and Part Chimp. And we'll be, for the first time in a while, laughing at Vince Neil, which is something we <laughs> like to do on this show. But as I mentioned just a moment ago, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podcast, and you can sign up for the extra bonus content that we put out over on our Patreon page. If you sign up for any amount of money at all, you get access to our Rioters reviews, which are suggestions by you, our patrons of albums that you would like to hear me and Renfrey go down and deep on down go, and deep go on. down and deep on blimey yeah go in on go deep on we just released one this week on the second coming by the stone roses the second stone roses album an album that on reflection probably should have been on our other podcast broken records maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we can see it as almost a sort of uh uh a crossover episode i feel because it did have a very it had the whiff of a broken record, didn't it? I mean, it certainly would be a contender, I think. Yeah. Um, although we didn't, I, I don't. I think we can. I think we can spoil this. I, 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 we both sort of agreed that it would be quite low down in the list of broken records. Mm. But there are definitely, we, there are records that we've done broken records which are better than Second Coming. Definitely, Naomi Campbell, obviously. <laughs> no, well, definitely, oh, definitely Naomi Campbell's I think, album. I think yeah. I agree the Naomi Campbell album's better than Stone Roses. So that that that, that second Stone Roses album, not the first one. <laughs> <laughs> what no, what would say. you say? I don't like it that much. First, I don't yeah, like first it that Stone much. Roses album or Naomi Campbell? <laughs> Uh, it's a close it's one. close oh, isn't we'll it? yeah, just yeah, go yeah. with the stone roses i think oh, yeah and uh we just put out one that is a for free which is a sort of uh, an old one it's not even doesn't actually feel that old but i suppose it's quite old. on the workhorse movements debut album sons of the pioneers you can listen to that and go oh actually that patreon stuff they do is quite good i think i'll sign up for it over at patreon.com forward slash right podcast loads of writers reviews that we've done 
over the last couple of years so there is a lot of stuff if you haven't signed up yet to to go and listen to and if you sign up for our five pound tier you get two classic albums a month as i already mentioned morbid angels autos of madness was the last special that we put up that came out on monday which i really really like doing i've mm sort of picked this because i've been on a massive death metal binge over the last i guess the last month and a bit to be honest i don't know why but i've just been slamming loads of death metal like old death metal recently and it's really really fucking great so i wanted to go to what i feel is possibly the best band maybe them and death are the best two aren't they ultimately of those bands i would say they are right up there yes um yeah i mean I, I i'm not a death metal aficionado in the way that you are but but death and morbid angel are two death metal bands that i absolutely make an exception for because they are both fantastic i mean a big part of the reason why i make an exception for them is because they made progressions in their career mm. you know yeah uh but yes anyway but those two bands are yeah fucking excellent excellent yeah we had a lovely time doing that uh that morbid angel special and it's the sort of first time we've gone pretty deep on a piece of extreme metal in its truest form yeah even though we had that chat at the start of it anyway the next special coming up on the classic albums is going to be on neil young's after the gold rush Mm -hmm. which is your pick renfrey yeah something quite different very different that might it it, could it be the most different like it's like sonically it's pretty opposite yeah um but yeah it's uh i'm really looking forward to doing that one um i love uncle neil what what a legend he is he's a right bloody legend i'm looking forward to that as well so yeah like i say go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and there is loads of stuff up there for you to listen to and you can suggest an album as well no matter how much you give and hopefully we will get around to it at some point broken records as well i think coming on monday there if you like it when i get angry because i know some people do like it when i rant we're doing true symphonic rockestra concerto in rock minor or some bullshit it's called i can't remember the full <laughs> name of the, the album now but anyway um we're doing that on broken records we haven't actually recorded that yet but spoiler alert i think i'm gonna get quite annoyed uh in that in that that podcast because that record is well i don't want to i don't want to spoil it but it, it, it i think it's going to be one of the kind of fun time ones that we do yeah as we record i've not listened to it yet but you've 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 not been able to hold back um privately about it and uh yeah it's uh it sounds like it's going to be a special one yeah yeah quite <laughs> quite quite a bad record that right Last week, we spoke about the Download Pilot Festival announcement. Mm. We didn't know what the... We hadn't had any official word of what the lineup was going to be. Mm. Um, we sort of made some guesses about stuff, thinking that we knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. We might have got some of the headliners and somebody playing mixed up a little bit. A little bit. But... I actually thought Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls were headlining. Mm. Turns out it's Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Mm. Easy mistake to make. Hey, the aunt did it. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we, 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 we are all, uh, fallible. Exactly. But, uh, the download pilot lineup, Renfri, um, we'll go by through it, I guess, kind of day by day, Friday, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, neck deep, sleep token, Boston Manor, holding absence, hot milk, malevolence, death blooms on the Friday. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes would be, would be 
a fantastic way to end that, I think. Um, I know we yeah. had differing views on the last record, which I uh, really, really, really love, and you were sort of ho-hum on, but Frank mm -hmm. Carter never really, live. never disappoints live, does he? Um, I would be curious about Sleep Token. I mean, certainly Sleep Token live, I've seen them multiple times now, and they have varied from being absolutely elegiac and amazing to a little bit boring to be honest so that could be an interesting one um the rest is a little bit i mean stuff like boston matter and holding absence and neck deep is a teensy weensy bit wet i suppose but um yeah there's nothing else on there that makes me super super excited myself i like malevolence mm -hmm. you know i like kind of gruff beat down Hardcore with the big oh the band. metal riffs. So. Sorry, I thought you just liked Malevolence generally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do like that as well, but <laughs> I do like the band Malevolence. I think yeah. they're very good. Um, yeah, there's not really anything else that is jumping out at me particularly on that day. I think Frank Carter's good. Obviously, amazing live. I can't say I've really liked any of his albums post the debut, post Blossom, mm. but um, uh, you know. A good to see Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes headlining a download festival mm -hmm. of sorts. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second day, Enter Shikari, While She Sleeps, Creeper, Stonebroken, Twin Atlantic, Yakana, Those Damn Crolls, A, Vukovi, Tiger Club, Wargasm, The Hara, Bleed From Within, As Everything Unfolds, Conjurer, and Lotus Eater. Renfrey, your thoughts? Well, it's great to see. I mean, Conjurer apparently opening the main stage, which would just be fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw Jan last night, the drummer, who is one of the best drummers in the UK. Hello, Jan, if you're listening. Probably isn't. Uh, Probably not. Great as it um, Lotus Eater will be good fun as well, obviously, because they are just bring the heaviness all the time. Mm -hmm. Then there's sort of a lot of stuff which I'm a bit kind of ho-hum about, like um, until, well, A, obviously, better than Cult of Luna. Um, Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Tiger Cub, that album was okay. Uh, Wargasm are fucking terrible. Wargasm are members of Dead, aren't they? You've are they? Got history with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Everyone's <laughs> going on about Wargasm and saying how good they are and stuff. And I was like, I've not really listened to it. I know they did a cover of um, that uh, of the NERD song. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, well, that's all right. Mm. But, you know, it's a good song. Yeah. You just put some riffs on it. Well, they, you know, the, uh, of course people are saying it's good because um, they're sucking the right dicks. Uh, <laughs> Creeper will be fucking great. Um, yeah, I'm sure while she sleeps with that new record, I'm sure they'll be busting the gut to get going. And I know you're mm -hmm. not a fan, but Enter Shikari definitely do bring the party. And in terms of a big British band to finish off that day, I think Enter Shikari, personally, I think Enter Shikari is an inspired choice. Um, and I think even as someone who isn't a fan, you can understand the reasons behind it. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think Enter Shikari is a pretty decent pick as a headliner. I think they've been pushing towards that place for some time now. Yeah, yeah. I, like I say, you know, I, I don't like Enter Shikari's music. Mm. Um, I'm under the impression that they put on a very, very good live show. I think I have seen bits and bobs of them before, but I've never really gone in too much so you know i'm not i'm not excited personally to see any shikari but i think it is a, it makes sense as a booking definitely yeah 
It's definitely probably of the three, I'd say it's the one that makes the most sense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. I'm not quite sure. I, like, I love Frank. I think Frank Hartley Rock Snakes Live is amazing. I think Blossom is a fucking great record. I'm not quite sure if they feel like the kind of smallest of the three in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? They feel like the ones who aren't. Frank Carter feels like the kind of smallest one. I think there's there's one on the way up. There's one who are right there right now. And there's one on the way down. Right there. Fingers crossed. Right now. Right there. Fingers crossed. Right now. They're on so, the way sorry. down. Yep. Anyway, um, I think <laughs> Bleed From Within hopefully will be good as well. I actually think Bleed From Within are pretty decent at doing that thing. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. But uh, yeah, what's uh, going on? but it's all about I, A. I, th- I, th- I think they are. I, I think they are to- to- perfectly decent at doing that thing. It's just that thing doesn't interest me that much. But okay. there's nothing wrong with believe from within at all. No, no. But A are the band that I'm most looking forward to seeing on the entire weekend. To be perfectly really? honest, because <laughs> yeah, because they're fucking great. They are uh, great. They are Conjure. great fun live. Yeah, Conjure. Yeah, be, so I mean, good. Conjure will be the band of the day. That Conjure will be, yeah, okay. yeah. Conjure will be, and obviously, yeah. You mentioned Creeper, and, and I got to say, Twin Atlantic. You know, they got they got that one record mm. that I really, really like. I would say that that is a better day overall than the Friday, Definitely. which brings us to the Sunday. <laughs> Bullet for my Valentine headlining down finally headlining download well done guys well done you've only been talking about it since 2004 you finally got there it just took a global pandemic and a uh, a a 90 percent cut in the amount of people that were allowed to go to the festival yeah. for you to be able to actually yeah, do the thing that you said that you were going to do for all those years so well done well done bullet congratulations frank turner and the sleeping souls Skindred, The Wild Hearts, Trash Boat, Massive Wagons, Elvana, Jamie Lenman, Lonely the Brave, Higher Power, Loathe, Chubby in the Gang. Don't know who that is. Employed uh, to Serve. It's my band. I'm Chubby. <laughs> and here's my gang. Okay, good. Uh, Cassetti, St. Agnes, and Static Dress. Um, can I just say before we get onto this, there's a few bands down the bottom there who I'm not really aware of. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not good or whatever i'm just not aware of them there's a lot of british bands who when you think you know there's no palm reader Mm. there's no svalbard Mm. um there's no aa williams Mm. um and yet they have elvana who are a elvis fronted nirvana tribute act oh yes of course they are hilarious how funny is that you you, mate elvis wasn't in nirvana yeah. <laughs> oh. Exactly. yeah oh what a funny idea mm. i mean apparently they're good like apparently they are good fun and i'm sure they are for about 10 minutes but yeah. it, it's sort sure of they are i i understand what you're you're saying that there's so much amazing talent in the uk right now and whilst you know having like having to put a festival bill together from uk bands in 2021 is probably easier than it has ever been because there is mm-hmm. so much brilliant brilliant bands like there are so many amazing bands that are doing things at the moment and i mean obviously we you know i guess our tastes don't don't align with download exactly but it's um it is disappointing that, that there are some big names who deserve to be on there who oh, big names. There are there are some quality acts who deserve yeah. to be on there. Some who some critically acclaimed when you talk about like Svalbard, Svalbard and Palm Reader, 
to, for me, the two bands who have been critically, and I, I think the, the fan reaction to their records over the last year has been more than worthy to see them get put on a, a bill like this. Do you know what I mean? Like th those two really stand out as bands who haven't been added. And actually, no, I mean, and I, I mentioned A.A. Williams. There's another one as well. I do think AA, there's three artists there. Now, we don't know if they were asked or if they weren't asked, if they turned it down, if they couldn't do it or whatever. But there's three artists there who absolutely seem to have captured the imagination more than Chubby and the gang mm, mm. or Static Dress. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I mean? Or as everything unfolds, like, I don't know, maybe we're looking in the wrong places. Maybe we're paying attention to a certain niche thing. And as everything unfolds might be, in fact, I'm going to Google them. If they sound like they're probably a, a metalcore band, right? I've no idea. I would have, no idea. Um, I'm just Googling them right now. Top 15 metalcore videos. Yeah. So they're a metalcore band. So maybe they just, you know, are a bit more zeitgeisty than those bands. But I do think, I do think that that is a real shame that they're they're missing out on, hmm. you know, a, a lot of bands that are like genuinely great bands. Anyway, I'm sort of stunned that you know there's no Dune. You know, I'm sort of stunned that there's no. Well, um, I I'm I'm not that surprised by Dune because I think like it's just that's just happened, hasn't it? Their albums just come out and it's quite a new. Well, true, you'd thing. like to think that Download have their ear to the ground, but obviously not. Um, uh, you know, I'm surprised that um, there's no people slicer. You know, I mean, you might say the same Boss thing. Boss keloids. Boss We're going to talk about Boss keloids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You know, it's just like there's 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 a lot where it's like, come on, guys, you could have you could have replaced some of the dross on this with some genuinely quality acts, um, and they just haven't. But hey, you could say that about every download lineup, though, couldn't you? Of course, you could. And also, yeah. also, I'm totally aware that we are doing exactly what we said that we <laughs> would <laughs> complain about. Like we we said, like if anyone complains about this lineup, uh, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to go. Now, I'm not going to go to this anyway. Um, but you know, I like. Well, it's still I, I, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. I, I'm not complaining about the lineup. Mm. I'm just saying I'm I'm a bit like I, I wish that those other bands had have been put on. I mean I don't think like I mean you know I've said that out of the out of the headliners, Frank Carter about Snakes is the only headliner I would want to watch. I mean obviously I don't particularly care for Enter Shikari. Everybody knows what how I feel about Bullet for My Valentine. There's enough on every day. Like we just mentioned a whole. I mentioned like one, two, three, four five six seven bands on the saturday that i'd like to see there's really two two that i'd like to see on the friday mm. on the sunday frank turner skin dread wild hearts jamie lenman loathe employed to serve that's six mm -hmm. it's not a bad it's not a bad return is it i think i counted it up and i i think there were like 13 bands across the whole weekend that i would have wanted to see which isn't which isn't terrible you know that is not mm. bad at all i certainly think i mean despite having the weakest headliner in my opinion i do think the sunday is the best day overall um yeah probably something that i notice again you know I, I again we said if anyone complains about this lineup then they shouldn't be allowed to go blah 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 last last week but i will say that i did see a lot of people making a very good point which i totally missed 
um, basically saying, this is just a shit version of 2000 Trees, isn't it? Which it is. Um, if you if you look at the 2000 Trees lineup uh, that they were supposed to have compared to this, first of all, there are double the amount of bands at 2000 Trees. Um, the capacity is the same. The festival site is just it's just a much nicer atmosphere and a much nicer place to be. Uh, price wise, it's I think trees is ever so slightly cheaper. If it's not cheaper, it's the same price. I think it is a very valid point. I mean, when I go to 2000 trees, I'm usually wanting to see 26, 27, 28 bands, not 13. So mm. I do. Yes. We are doing exactly what we said we wouldn't do and moaning about it. But then at the same time, it's like, well, you could do so much better than this. It's been proved you can do so much better. And in terms of... Well, I think tree, Trees has got like four stages though, right? Whereas this is just going to be two stages and the, the Friday is going to not start till 5 p.m. And it, it is... A, you have to remember this is a pilot event. Like it's oh, yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. be... But anyway, I mean, look, that it's not happening and yada, yada, yada. But but I did, I did... I saw a number of people saying that this is essentially a shit 2000 Trees. And yeah. Download have got 10,000 people. And yeah, you know, they could have done, but I mean, they're download, aren't they? They're not, that's the thing. They're not, they're not 2000 trees. And I suppose they had to do, they had to do what they were. Someone looking at this and comparing it to 2000 trees. I mean, obviously like stone broken and massive wagons are never going to play 2000 trees. And so I think it's like, I don't know. I think there's a bunch. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot why, of crossover stuff. Why would, stuff why would they not play trees? What massive wagon, stone broken and massive wagons. Yeah. Because they're like, one's a kind of old, well, they're, they're kind of like old school, they're like classic rock bands. They'd play mm. Rambling Man, wouldn't they? It more, it'd be more, more like, it'd be definitely be more likely. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> trees have wild hearts and stuff like that. So it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wild hearts. But I don't think wild hearts are the same as, wild hearts are a 90s alternative rock band. They're not a like, you know, sort of leather waistcoat they're, they're rambling there's not a lot of the kind of rambling man typical down or like more kind of older crowd download stuff on this bill at all but and i'm quite surprised there's not more of it i'm not i'm quite surprised that we're not seeing like the temperance movement and mm. those kind of bands on it a bit more mm. do you know what i mean mm. i was thought there would be like all the darkness or something like that i thought would probably be on this bill but they're they're not for whatever reason um but yeah i mean i think yeah they've got to try and it is a bit more, you know, it's 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 more modern looking. I mean, it's just like it, it looks weird as a download lineup because it is so modern looking. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is, it is. But that's what you have to do when you have like a smaller capacity to play with, isn't it? You know, you have to you have to go with more modern, more new bands. But I think I was wondering if we'd see like Saxon headlining. Or something, <laughs> you know? God, but like, I think uh, it's. It's, I mean, if you're a punter and you have X amount of money to spend on it, I mean, this this is your only choice for rock music, basically, in a mm -hmm. field this summer. So there is no choice. But I do understand people... I do understand why people have made that comparison because, you know, it's it's... If you're used to getting 80, 90, 100 bands for 120 quid... And then you've got what forty for one hundred and twenty quid. I can understand why some people feel shortchanged by that. Mm. 
particularly when one of them is bullets my van. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Like, there's enough there for me. Like, I'm not. I'm actually not moaning about the the lineup. I mean, obviously, I never expected to like every band on the entire bill mm. in any way mm. whatsoever. Mm. But there's enough there for me to go. Oh, that's quite good. Are you and going? The idea of just doing. It, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Don't know. Might make some inquiries, Renfrey. Mm. But we'll see. It's very soon. It's very. I mean, soon. I probably should know. I mean, the fact that I don't know means I'm probably not right. Quite possibly, it's in like <laughs> yeah. in two weeks. Is, uh, it is. It's word. exactly two weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I'm not. Can you? I mean, uh, can, you, can you stand camping the entire weekend? I'm not sure if you will. You, no, I'm you'll not. Throw I'm a not you, you will throw a tantrum. You will throw a tantrum. I'm not gonna. I'm just. Well, I wouldn't even entertain the idea of camping, to be honest. Well, you can't do then, can you? Because you need to be locked. Well, in the maybe hole. not. Yeah. Don't know. Not camping. No. <laughs> Speaking of things I'm not going to do, uh, Vince Neil <laughs> played live, sort of. I mean, Vin- Vince Neil. So um, he's from Motley Crue, isn't he? Vince Neil? <laughs> yeah, he is. Which is already a, already a black mark against him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's also seems to have morphed into your auntie at a Hindu drunk. <laughs> Mine specifically, or what? No, no, any, everyone listening. You know okay. you're drunk. You know your aunt who's 54 and she got divorced a few years ago and she's drunk <laughs> all the time and she's just sad. She went to a karaoke bar on a Hindu and started singing Girls, Girls, Girls. And actually, when she looked out, she was Vince Neil at this festival. So she... She played, your auntie played, the Boone River Valley Festival under the name Vince Neil and his solo <laughs> band uh, in Iowa over the weekend. Jamming a set of mostly of Motley Crue classics, it says here. And uh, it wasn't very good. Now, Vince Neil has been caught on camera before doing some kind of like Vic Reeves style club singer versions of his bad songs. Multiple this times. Is, multiple th- th- times. And yet people still will go to stadiums to watch him do that. Unbelievable. But this is this is fucking funny. Oh, we just hilarious. put this in here really because we just thought we'd laugh at Vince Neil. Oh, we just love love laughing at Vince Neil and, and, and Motley Crue in general. Um one of the worst mm. bands of all time. Um the set list, it says it's mainly made up of Motley Crue songs. Indeed it was. Um the set list was Looks That Kill, that's Motley Crue, mm-hmm. Doctor Feel Good, Motley Crue, Shout of the Devil, Motley Crue. Saw, saw him doing uh, <coughs> saw him doing the <laughs> Doctor Feel Good. He the one hard. Feel good. He the one I'm in a bit. Ah He the one gonna feel good. Enema, I did. Enema, it was feel good. It was dreadful. <laughs> it was brilliant. The fourth song, which apparently is where the trouble started with his voice, was a cover of Helter Skelter by the Beatles. No one's done that before. Mm. Um, why, are, why are bands covering Helter Skelter in 2021? Well, Motley Crue did do a version of that back in the day, didn't they? They've, they've, they this is not a new but thing. It's 2021. Yeah. Anyway. It, it was fucking awful. Is that it? No, it's just, yeah, it's, it just, it's, just it's just, it's just, it's been done to fucking death. Move on. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, in the footage as well, it was quite clear that Roadie had, uh, I mean, he should know the lyrics to that if Motley Crue covered it lots back in the day, but he didn't know the lyrics to it because Roadie had taped the lyrics uh, on the floor and it was blindingly obvious they'd done that because he kept staring at the floor going, <laughs> 
terrible, absolutely awful. Uh, he then played a song, this appears to be the only song, which is from his solo career at all, called You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come. <laughs> what do you think what do you think that's an invitation to, Steve? Some sort of willy party, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is a willy party. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a willy party. And I think the friend can't come because she does not fit the um the typical attraction levels that Vince Neil requires. And I think that is a very modern and very unsexist and very feminist point of view to take. Well done, Vince Neil. Uh, smoking <laughs> in the boys' room. That's a Brownsville station cover. No idea. Then Home Sweet Home, Motley Crew. Don't go away mad, just go away, Motley Crew. Piece of your action, Motley Crew. Take me to the top, Motley Crew. Live wire to Motley Crew. Too young to fall in love, Motley Crew. Kickstart my heart, Motley Crew. And then girls, 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 Motley Crew. So he's just, he's just playing Motley Crue songs, basically, with a band who aren't Motley Crue. Um, mm. But yes, uh, during Girls, 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 14 songs in probably the last song of the set, but he just walked... About 20 seconds into into the song as well. He yes. just goes, gah, gah, oh, I can't be bothered. And then he just fucks off. And the band, I like the way that the band stop for a second and go, oh, no, let's just carry let's on. Let's carry, just on. carry on. Yeah. And he walks off. Because <laughs> yeah. like, what you want... If I go and watch Vince Neil from Motley Crue doing his solo stuff... I don't really. I'm not really there for Vince Neil. I'm there for his solo band, <laughs> who are the real stars of the show. Um, yeah, just absolutely rubbish. It's a fucking He's joke. Rubbish. Isn't he meant to be going on some sort of stadium tour soon as well? They're doing a tour, co-headlining stadium tour with Def Leppard and Poison and Joan Jett. Oh my god! What on earth is Joan Jett doing on that bill? Well, she's making money she's, she's yeah she's making money and she's <laughs> elevating the entire lineup she I is say. yeah yeah yeah. She i is. mean look to be honest i'm i i i think old um old uh def leppard have got some good songs uh you know i mean i i quite like some def leppard stuff i'm not gonna be like too snobby about def leppard i mean they've done some fucking dog shit over the years <laughs> and their last album they did was pathetic but they're not a bad terrible band Def Leppard I don't think I think they've got a good greatest hit set in them I'm not going to diss Def Leppard but I've never got on with them particularly if I'm honest um, but yeah okay. fair enough hmm. Poison can fuck off Poison obviously. can fuck right off they're fucking fuck awful right off and obviously Motley Crue can fuck right off mm. as well mm. so it's not really enough to go well I don't like Def Leppard that much no to have to sit through the middle of that sandwich no, of that no, tour no. and it, and it's in america as well that's true yeah and you can't so I, I i can't go anyway um but i just don't know i don't know why well i suppose vince neil doesn't quit because he can't do anything else but i don't know why people keep booking him because this is like i mean when was the first motley crew reunion like it was a good 10 years ago at least and he was fucking awful then and he's still fucking awful now and like he can't do it anymore. He's just a lazy, fat fuck who can't be asked to do it. Like, why does he keep getting booked? It's ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, this is we, we're getting to the point now where um, these people are of an age. I mean, we've been saying, you know, like Ozzy retired for the first time in like nineteen ninety five or something. Yeah, something like that. Ninety four. Mm. And back then he was like, Oh, you know, you are getting a bit too old. And he was probably in his like early forties. Yeah. 
yeah. at that point. Well, Vin- Vince, you- Vince Neil makes Ozzy Osbourne look like Jason Butler. I mean, you know, <laughs> from this yeah. video, like it's fucking awful. I mean, he's just. I mean, oh. he's yeah. I mean, like, so I think we've just got to the point where these people are really like they're genuinely too fucking old to do this. Mm-hmm. Like they're really like genuinely too like to do the thing they used to do. Like Vince Neil was not Robert Plant. I, I always use Robert Plant as an example because I, I've said it a bunch of times. You listen to what Robert Plant's doing now and you think, well, yeah, he's not, he'd look stupid trying to go on stage in leather trousers and sing fucking Black Dog or whatever. Do you know what I mean? That would be a really dumb thing on his part yeah. for him to try and do. And fair play to him. He's obviously more than aware of that. He's got a self-awareness that means he's like, exactly. I'm not going to do that to myself he's and got, I'm not going to put people through that. He's got and yet self-respect. Still going, oh, he, he's got self-respect <laughs> and he's got some other kind of musical outlet and idea and he's mm. changed and he's evolved as a person whereas vince neil has just sat around gorging himself on pies and loose women and champagne and he's just like oh yeah it's fine i'll just be this guy forever and it's like you can't do it mate i didn't, he was never I didn't a good know. singer in the first place was vince neil a good singer in the oh, first place never. definitely not never not not he has, he's never ever been a good singer like robert plant was actually a really fucking good vocalist yeah. and vince neil wasn't he was just a good-looking like chap from the Sunset Strip who got to be in his band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pathetic. Awful. Um, yeah, I suppose it's not news to say Fionn Vince Neil's a fucking talentless twat, but um, <laughs> there we go. We do like... <laughs> it is fun to say. It is it? fun to say, though. Yeah, yeah. What an absolutely appalling piece of shit. Um, don't go see Vince Neil. He's fucking terrible. And the internet can prove that many times over. You could probably spend an entire afternoon watching Vince Neil fuck up old Motley mm. Crue songs. I mean, there's so do much. You hate, do you hate yourself that much? Well, quite. Well, I do. Um, but uh, yes, quite. I mean, you could do that if you so chose to. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, the shit. The shit Axel used to get, you know, the Faxel stuff and things like that. I mean, Axel had his fair share of, like, not mm-hmm. great moments live and stuff like that. But, again, like, compared to Vince Neil, he's like... Fuck it. <laughs> he's Pavarotti. I've nixed that from you for what should we do from writer's review. But, yes, he's like Pavarotti. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous, yeah. Stop well, who, booking who, him. What, ba- what band do we hate the most, do you think, collectively on this show? It's got to be Motley Crue yes. or... I mean, I always mention Bullet, don't I? I do mention Bullet a lot. I feel like our Bullet are better than Motley Crue. You you hate Bullet a lot more than I do. I think, I think Bullet are rubbish, but I don't hate them. I just think they're rubbish. But, yeah. but Motley Crue, I actually hate. I think they're fucking appalling. I think they're appalling people as well. Um mm. Uh, you know, I know you've had some run-ins with Bullet, but I, I don't really, I don't really have a dog in that fight particularly. So I just, I just think they're a bit of a weak band, you know. I think Motley Crue have got slightly better songs, really, than Bullet for My Valentine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kickstart My Heart is better than anything Bullet for My Valentine have ever done. All right. I mean, you know, I just don't have a dog in this fight at all. So I just no, I know. Well, I'm trying to work out who the were. <laughs> anyway, to come. I think both of them are on broken records. So we can, yeah. one day, we can go in 
fucking killer. Like we need an excuse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Like we need an excuse. But hey, you, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Let's review some music that we've got more chance of liking yeah. than a new Motley Crue or Bullet for My Valentine record. Yeah. Let's start with Rise Against. Their new album is called Nowhere Generation. It is the ninth studio album from the Chicago-based punk rock superstars. A follow-up to 2017's Wolves record, which, to borrow a phrase from Renfrey was fine rise <laughs> against have definitely become more of a rock band than a punk band over the last decade in my personal opinion they are stadium punk at this point something which you would think probably never really existed mm. back in the day mm. the idea of a kind of stadium punk band i guess the clash gave it a go mm. in the early 80s but it's not the kind of righteous propaganda style pace and anger of the past that Rise Against Deal in these days. It is legitimately arms in the air and themic hard rock with a bit more grit that's a little bit faster and borrows from certain areas of the mid nineties punk explosion. To be fair, I mean I actually I actually quite like the direction that Rise Against have gone in over the years mm -hmm. because I think I do agree with you. I actually wrote exactly the same thing in my notes that they have become more of a rock band than a punk band um, over the years. But I do think they have kept that sense. Like you get the sense that they were once a melodic hardcore band, you know, even mm -hmm. listening to modern Rise Against stuff. They've not thrown the baby out with the bathwater. There's still the foundation of that melodic hardcore um thing going through it um so i'm i'm actually all for um in fact i I'd, I'd almost go as far as to say that i'm actually generally generally more interested in rise against latter day stuff than i am their early stuff probably wowzers in general i like stuff like end game and shit like that oh okay so you're a bit of a fan of Rise Against? I don't think we've ever spoken about them before on this podcast. No, ever. I was going to say we haven't spoken about Rise Against. Am I a fan? I like Rise Against. I think they are a good band doing good things. Um, the Enemy once described them as the most important band in the world, which is laughable. <laughs> I think. I think that is completely ridiculous when was this oh i don't know um it was in the press release um apparently they were described as the most important band in the world uh but i do i do quite like rise against i think one thing i will say about rise against is they they have tended to execute a formula with a generally fairly consistent standard i think over the years um there's so much of what they do and not not absolutely lows to distinguish it all now this is their ninth record i would yeah, say, I, say I would say i'm a very casual rise against fan but i do i do like them i like the cut of their jib i think tim mckillrath uh is a great spokesperson and a great frontman I actually think that his political rhetoric tends to come across better and clearer in interviews than it does in Rise Against songs. Mm. I've, have you ever interviewed him before? No, I had the opportunity, but I got stupidly busy at the indie. But no, I've not. I, I, I imagine he's a great interview, I would have thought. Yeah, he's really cool. Mm. Yeah, mm. he's really cool. I interviewed him just after Trump got in. 
Oh, um, but, he had, when but he didn't have anything to say was... about that. <laughs> no, he seemed a bit sad, actually. Like, yeah. he did seem a little bit upset and a bit kind of beaten by it. Or I think it was just as Wolves was about to come out. And I think that album was written um, in the build-up to, but not in the aftermath of Trump getting in. And, and I think he felt a little bit like, I think he was a bit kind of, I don't want to be like, oh, he was sad, but he was, he was certainly felt a bit kind of browbeaten by the whole thing, which is sort of understandable. Well, but he was a really interesting dude. To be honest, that's what I like about him and Rise Against. Not that he was specifically browbeaten by Trump, but because but there's a, there's an authenticity to him. Um, yeah. It does feel like that they started with a righteous anger and that righteous anger, the, the flame of that righteous anger just hasn't been um, blown out at all in their career and they do continue to do very very good quality material i think the thing i'm trying to say about rise against though is they have never released an album that has made me go oh my god this album is fucking incredible from start to finish mm. i think every album that i've heard from rise against and i've probably heard half their discography five mm -hmm. six albums maybe every every album has has songs moments that i think yeah, this is great. This is really, really good. But a lot of it just kind of sits in that melodic hardcore bracket in the background, which I like, but I don't go absolutely crazy for it. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I, I think over the last decade, like I mentioned, I think what they're doing is fine. I think they have a little, they've lost a little bit of the thing that made Siren Song of the Counterculture or Suffer and the Witness mm. really exciting. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, there was definitely a bit more polished to those albums because they went onto a major label at that point and then they got a lot of like they're selling out or blah 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 but you know they weren't strike i don't know strike anywhere or whatever but they did still have a bit of that they had the same sort of thing to me i mean they're very they are quite different bands but i think being able to do kind of punk rock which translates to a grander scale mm. is, is a pretty difficult thing to do and there's a couple mm. of bands that can do it. i would say like billy talent are a band mm -hmm. who can do that as well i think i probably generally i think if i was to put both of those bands entire discographies together the self-titled billy talent album would to me be the best album of those entire that in those two entire discographies put together whether i think billy talent are overall a better band i don't know i mean mm. that's a kind of weird thing to for me to just hypothesize on straight away but i do think they have that similar thing to them <laughs> where this is definitely punk rock but it's also definitely not really punk rock at this point and certainly over the past decade i mean i remember hearing rise against when it was revolutions per minute their second album in 2003 was probably the first one i heard and you know that was a record that came out on fat wreck and mm. fat wreck had a very recognizable sound sound and style yeah. at that point and rise certainly, against yeah. certainly fell into that and i mentioned propaganda already the propaganda band who i think you know to me they were never going to be better than what propaganda had already done if they'd carried on doing that and mm. i guess it's to their credit that they've done something like what rage against the machine used to get shit for you rage against the machine used to get shit from certain quarters being like oh well if you're so against this and if you're so against capitalism why are you signed to epic why are you on sony why are mm. you playing these big festivals blah 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 rise against have found a way to get their message out to a lot of people and a lot of punk rock bands don't do that yeah. and the best way to do that often 
I mean, Rage Against the Machine didn't really do it, but Rise Against have had to kind of chisel the sharp edges off a little bit and they've had to kind of sand their sound down to make it a bit more palatable for people. They've had to write music, I think, which now will sound good in a bigger venue. I mean, I saw them on the Black Market Tour at Brixton Academy in 2014 and they had Pennywise opening for them, right? Now, Pennywise have never changed their sounds at mm. all mm. really and they looked and felt like a proper punk rock band playing Brixton Academy mm. and they kind of showed Rise Against up a little bit because Rise Against came out and it it felt much more like a rock show do you know what I mean I looked at it and I was like there's the lights and the pyro and it was much more of a of a rock show mm. rather than a, a punk, punk rock show but isn't Pennywise it- like backdrop lights on just fucking just everyone go. going mental yeah. and every fast. Whereas Rise Against was much more of a show. You know what I mean? And, and I kind of went away and I was like, I think Rise Against probably suit that venue more. But for me, I was more excited by Pennywise. Hmm. But isn't it a good thing that they've um, adjusted to their new surroundings? And isn't it a good thing that they've realised that? Definitely. You know, yeah. I like they've They've, you know, I mean, I bemoan bands not changing all the time and 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 i i actually like i said you know end game i'm just looking on their wikipedia and realized end game came out fucking 10 years ago now which made me feel mm-hmm. really old um but you know end game was an album that i really really enjoyed and and maybe that was when they started to do that a little bit maybe appeal to yeah. reason a little bit before but you a know bit, yeah. yeah but like you know i i actually i think they have done that um shearing off the corners thing quite successfully you know i i I don't and 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 like i said at at the top of this review i don't think they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater i still think it's i still think they are a a very good band well i think the opening song kind of proves both of our points completely really i think it's fast and energetic and it's actually a really great song really good but it's also incredibly anthemic and melodic and it's got this really soaring emotion sort of emotive quality to it and that is a really really cool thing to do i mean i think you can be a punk snob as much as you want. And people have been calling Rise Against sellouts since pretty much their second album, mm. you know. But if it's much more palatable to people and it would sound great in the kind of venues that Rise Against are now forced to, not forced to play, but are now the size that if if they want to play, you know, if they want to play and have as many people come and see them as possible, they're going to be playing pretty big venues. Mm. And this song would sound fucking great in that kind of environment and, and, um, and at the end of the day the numbers which is a song you're referring to it's a, it's a really good song like it it, yeah. it is it is a good song you know and that's that's what matters at the end of the day mm. isn't it i'd say yeah, exactly i mean i i don't want to sit here and review this going is this a punk song like sudden or uh, no. sudden urge a second song i think I, I think they I, I think Rising Against are at their most successful when they lean on their past a little bit but but try and make something massive out of it. And Sudden Urge is definitely a rock song. Hmm. It's not really got so much to do with punk rock at all and it's not a bad thing. Hmm. But um but I do think I think they are a bit more successful at kind of maybe it's just because of what I like. Mm-hmm. I like to hear that there is a little bit of that kind of punk frisson mm-hmm. underneath what they're doing. Sudden Urge doesn't really do that, but it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad song because no, of it. Not at all. Not at all. No. I think Nowhere Generation as well, the, the title oh, track. It's fucking great. Is, I love yeah, that song. Yeah, really, really massive, massive song. And, and and totally makes sense that it's the title track. And I like 
what Tim McIlrath is talking about as well. He's, you know, talking about this new... The, 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 he's talking about how fucked this latest generation is and how fucked they are, we are, because of the generations that came before them and the fact that, like, you can't, I don't know, get on the property ladder, for example, or the fact that there yeah. doesn't seem to be, like, an identity to this generation. And I actually think that's quite an important um, an interesting topic to talk about. And, 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 and it isn't... I don't hear loads of bands going into that sort of thing, you know. And it's not done... It's 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 done in a relatively surface way. I'm sure if I sat down and talked to Tim, or if you sat down and talked to Tim McIlrath about that, you'd get far deeper sort of discussion on it. And I think that's maybe what I mean by sometimes when I say his political rhetoric comes across far better in an interview than it does in the songs. I think, mm -hmm. but I do like the fact that he's given it a go and he's trying and 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 he does do a good job of what is actually a relatively complex sort of uh, topic. Well, to take the press release, uh, Renfrey, which I obviously did read, because hey! um, I always do, uh, he <laughs> says in that press release, today there's the promise of the American dream and then there's the reality of the American dream. America's historical norm that the next generation will be better off than the one became, that came before it has been diminished by an era of mass social, economic and political instability and a sellout of the middle class. The brass ring that was promised by hard work and dedication no longer exists for everyone. When the privileged climb the ladder of success and then burn it from the top, disruption becomes the only answer. And that's kind of the thematic through line of this record, which, mm. as you rightly say, is a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. And I, I have to say, to go back to the sound of the title track, I, I think the title track is fucking great. And it reminds me of Against Me. And basically, obviously, I absolutely love it. I mean, for me... I have to say, when I think about these bands of tradition, that have kind of transitioned from underground punk rock bands into something much bigger, mm. grander, you know, there's Alkaline Trio, Against Me, uh, Rise Against, AFI? would you say Anti Flag, AFI? Yeah, oh, well, if you count an AFI, then that makes it quite different. But okay. uh, but Against Me are to me the the bullseye for that kind of socially conscious formerly underground punk rock turned something more just straight ahead rock the sort of mm. springsteen -y stuff i guess a gaslight anthem as mm. well would be mm. another one i think mm. you could stick in there maybe like menzingers and hold steady even that's a little bit different but obviously you know it's it feels more fairly relatable. it feels more personal than political that stuff though doesn't it? yeah but certainly sound wise i think those mm -hmm. bands maybe yep. they probably i mean i don't know if those bands came from actual hardcore and straight ahead punk in the same way as Rise Against and Alkaline Trio and mm. Against Me did. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't but know. Out of those, but out of those three, Against Me are the bullseye band. And if you can hit anything that sounds, you know, I mean, I've spoken on this podcast a bunch of times about how Against Me are, you know, one of the fucking best bands of the last like 20 years. I think they're fucking amazing. Mm. And if you recall them in any way, I'm probably just going to, roll over and have my tummy tickled by you and that's pretty much how i feel about the title track this album i think it's fucking brilliant yeah and you know there's stuff like talking to ourselves comes in afterwards and it's like a like a kind of serious version of a no effects riff mm. like it's got a kind of no effects feel to it it's got that i mean i mentioned alkaline trio it's got that kind of alkaline trio propulsion to it and it's really great 
there's some kind of Greg Jinn guitar solos going on on Broken Dreams. Mm. Mm. And yeah, that, that, kind point, of, was, that kind of double note lead line thing is really, really cool on that song, Broken Dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at this point, I was like, fucking hell, this feels like... Because I think, you know, like I say, Wolves was all right. It mm. was all right. Mm. But I didn't... I haven't gone back and listened to it. And I haven't really taken any of the songs from it and remembered them. But I think there's enough stuff on here that I was like, oh, this is actually really fucking good. Yeah, I, I quite liked Walls when it came out and then um, didn't listen to it. At all. I don't think I've listened to it since 2017. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, but, there, yeah, there's, there's plenty on here that is very, very good. And it very rarely dips down. Although I'm curious if you're about to go, but I'm not sure. I kind of am about to go, but okay. Is it going to be about forfeit? Yeah. Okay. Now, I can understand why they put a song like forfeit in here mm-hmm. to mix things up as much as possible, to give the dimensions of the record a broader scope, to dynamically make it more interesting. I can understand that. Yeah. But for me, I do lose interest a bit in this because I'm not sure they're that great at doing this. This feels a bit stone sour to me, this song. Ooh. I think that's very harsh, to be honest. Mm. Um, I don't think Forfeit... I, I, I think Forfeit actually does make the record better. Uh, because I think if you took Forfeit out, it would be a very one-note record. <laughs> My God, it would be very one-note, to be, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um, and when you say you don't think they do it very well, I mean, I think there's a quite nice sort of... Um, chilling or almost haunted vibe that comes across this is basically so forfeit is basically like i wouldn't call it a ballad but it's an acoustic number you know it's more more kind of acoustic-y but there are interesting things that the band are doing behind it that that makes that just about does enough for me to keep my interest i don't think it's a wonderful song but i do think the album is better as a whole for it being there um and i'd also say quite often when bands do this sort of thing it can come across as really schmaltzy or corny and rise against the very good at not especially if they're from america let's face it but rise against the very good at not stepping over that boundary for me i guess the line there is a different place for everyone but i i i actually think Whilst Forfeit isn't my favourite song on the record by a long stretch, I actually think it makes the better the album better overall for its inclusion. I think it does in theory. Ah, okay. I think it does in theory, but I just think... I mean, they come back in with Monarch and it's back to kind of punk rock and it just feels more natural. I mean, yeah. it's a tough one because I've just sort of bemoaned that kind of slower song as a bit of a misstep. And I feel like the second half to me... I, I run out of I run out of steam listening to it. A bit, do. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that there's, you know, I don't like you know. You said I'm not sure Rise Against have got a, a kind of genuinely classic album in their locker. I don't know. I think there's records in their past. You know, I think Suffering a Witness. I think you could that back to back. I can listen to that and be like, that's really good front to back. And there's nothing on here that I think is 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 bad per se. Uh, but I just think that they're really good at doing that thing that they're really good. I mean, 
Um, I really like Sounds Like as a song. Sounds Like is great. Sounds Like is definitely really I, I, I agree with everything you've just said, by the way. I, I, do, I, do, I do tire of this record. And the, the, the fact that it's only 41 minutes and 36 seconds is a bit like, you know, it's not like it's really yeah. super, super, super long. Um, but it gets a bit samey. I guess without forfeit, though, it would be even samier. Um, yeah, so, it would also be shorter. Well, it would be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, so there's a there's a song called Sooner or Later, and I at that point I was like, "Fucking hell, this is really boring. This oh. song's really boring." And then the chorus comes in. I think it's got this. You're kind of. I feel like you're kind of wading through the record, and then out of nowhere, like this really ho hum song, this absolutely amazing chorus comes out of nowhere. I think the chorus of that song is fucking brilliant, but it's sort of surrounded by sort of nothing. I and think Rise Against do that quite a lot, though. I think there's a lot of songs in their discography where you have to wade through a pretty ho hum verse to get to a fucking stunning chorus. And I, I like I kind of raised an eyebrow when you said when you started what you said about sooner or later. But then actually I realized that I agree with you because I was thinking of the hook because um, I think sounds like and sooner or later are the two best sang- songs on the latter part of the record. Um, yeah. But but actually, I, I think you're right. It, it's it's the chorus that is amazing, not the song. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and they get themselves. I, I guess you know, they get themselves into a sort of rock and a hard place. I think in the mm. second half of the record because they're not bad. Like middle no. of a dream. If that came on the first half of the record, you might be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think rules of play. The last song actually starts like a kind of stadium rock bollocks, and then uh, it sounds like a poison song at the start. I was like, what the fuck's <laughs> this? And then it's sort of the rest is fine. And ultimately, you know, this is just another rise against record Mm. and i like that the thing that you said they haven't completely eradicated the punk rock from their sound and there's plenty of evidence of what i would consider to be their kind of a game of what they get up to but at this point i'm just not sure i need 11 more tracks of it and when they do go a little bit further out from the stuff that i like and it might just be me you know like some people might hear forfeit and go yeah it's great and it really breaks up the record and i really like it as a song it felt a bit kind of you know total rock radio that song to me it felt a bit like kind of um you know a bit sort of that shine down that sort of that fm rock radio thing to me i thought and i think the things i think the things that are going the haunting chilling aspects that are happening underneath it that's for me that's what elevates it a little bit above what you're saying like i say i don't think it's a phenomenal song but i'm i'm glad it's there because I would tire of this record even quicker than I do if it weren't. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, the line for that will be at different places for different people. So that's fair enough. Yeah. I definitely prefer this to Wolves. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm just not sure, like I said, I need another 11 tracks of it because ultimately when the book of Rise Against Career is written, I feel like Nowhere Generation will be something of a footnote because nine albums into a career where you have kind of perfected the thing that you did yeah. well over a decade ago. Yeah. It is quite difficult and it's maybe a little bit unfair. You know, this is this is the thing that we talk about therapy with all the time, although... I would argue that therapy do much more. Therapy, therapy changed. Have done much more. Yeah, therapy changed their sound much more than they're given credit for as well. You know, they they play with that formula far more. Like, I I I quite often struggle to tell um, one Rise Against album from another. 
Um, which sounds far harsher than I mean it to, because like I say, I do like Rise Against, but in terms of progression and stuff, there ha there has been a progression in their sound, but it's not been colossal, has it? You know, mm. really. So, and fairly true, I would say at that point for kind of a lot of the bands that I mentioned as well. You know, I mentioned Alkaline Trio. I don't really think I think Alkaline Trio peaked and have just kind of trundled along since then. Mm. I think Against Me had that three album run and then it was there was a bit of a dip with the last one when they did try and do something different they did try and do something a bit more glammy and wiry and it just didn't like i didn't really pay off for me that last against me record which is a bit of a shame because i thought you know they were in a great position to capitalize on how popular they were becoming and it maybe you know that that shit might have sold now commercially mm. for them but you know, I don't know. So I think it's really difficult when you've come from hardcore and you still want to keep that sense of where you you came from and what you do really well, but you also want to bring it to a lot of people. It's like, what what can you really do? It is a difficult one. It is. And it's something that I think all three of those bands have had to sort of traverse and have struggled with. Hmm. And all of them, ultimately, it doesn't make them bad bands and it doesn't make the albums they've put out at this point bad records it just makes them records that i don't think unless you've never heard right if you've never heard rise against before mm. and you're coming to this album and you're like oh, i'm going to check this band out because they appear to be a big deal and i want to listen to what the fuss is all about and you listen to this i think you'd listen to it and go fucking hell this band are great yeah oh definitely yeah, yeah i yeah. think you'd listen to it and go this is a fucking great band and then you'd go back and listen to their other stuff but i think for people like you and i have been into them for years and years and years and years yeah. or not maybe not even into them like you know, i wouldn't say like i'm a, a massive i like, like i'm like you i like them yes do you know what i mean yeah. i i do yeah. i do like them and i'm always interested in what they do but to call myself a huge fan of them i'm probably not a massive fan of them i mean i i've never seen them live just to give an indication i i like i i, I like them i think they're decent but i've never been like super like oh my god i love rise against or anything like that mm. but i've enjoyed what mm. they've done in the past definitely yeah. and i enjoy this as well yeah so you know that's it really we 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 i guess it's diminished how passionately we can feel about this record because we're kind of used to the thing that they do but what they do is good mm. and they are still good at doing it yeah and this album for the most part is good and if it's something that you like and you love what rise against sound like i think they've basically delivered as much as they possibly could i think there's a yeah. couple of bits on here that i'm like oh i'm not really so sure about that but in the main yeah this is a fucking good rise against record yeah i'm in total agreement it it, it, it is um I I I think when I first heard Wolves, I thought I would go back to it, and I didn't end up doing that. Um, I do feel like I will go back to this, but we'll have to see. <laughs> but I but I feel more certainly for me the title the title track I think will be something that mm. I slam through quite a lot because I think it's very very good. Yeah, I feel more confident that I will go back to this than I did with Wolves. So mm. and I, and I like it. This is a good record, um, but. Um, yeah just i suppose one that's super hard to get really really excited about but it is it is very very good and they continue to be a good band and they continue to be very good at doing something which as you rightly point out is very difficult to do retaining that mm -hmm. sort of punk spirit and that punk aggression and that punk energy whilst appealing to a mass audience and there are very few bands who can do that so fair play rise against 
Fair fucking play. All right, that's Nowhere Generation by Rise Against is out now. Let's move on to our next album. It comes from Red Fang. The album's called Arrows. It's the fifth studio album from the Portland-based Riff Rockers, the follow-up to 2016's Only Ghosts, which was a record that I really fucking loved. I love Red Fang. I mean, people who've listened for a long time will probably know that I don't go in massively for them sort of stonery, riffy bands in general. We've spoken about Doom quite a lot. We've spoken about Stoner Rock quite a lot. But for me, I loved Red Fang because they have this kind of party hard, instantaneous, massive, fun thing going on, which I just love. They write bangers. They write what I feel Mastodon were aiming for on The Hunter. You know when Mastodon were like, we're going to write bangers. And I think like, oh, Red Fang actually do write almost pop songs. Are you, almost like that catchy. Are you indi- are you indicating that they do it better than Mastodon did on the Hunter? I don't think that they necessarily do. I, I think Mastodon. I, I think. Well, what I would say is, I think when Mastodon said we're going to write bangers mm. and we're going to write instantaneous stuff, they're ultimately still Mastodon. Mm. And so, even Mastodon's idea of an instantaneous banger, with the exception of like Curl of the Burl mm. and then stuff like you know High Road, Motherload, when we went on to mm. um, Once More Around the Sun. I think actually there's most of the stuff on the Hunter is probably not as they're still they're mastered on. They're still quite challenging, even when they're not trying to be. Mm. They still are. Yeah. OK. Fair enough, um, yeah. Whereas I think Red Fang songs from the last couple of albums like Cut It Off, Blood Like Cream. They're just great, instantaneous, melodic, riff heavy bangers. And that is when they are at their very best for me. Hmm. They do a few other bits and bobs that I like as well. Um, and But that's how I like Red Fang to be. What are your thoughts on Red Fang in general, Renfrew, before we get into the record? I really, really, really like Red Fang a lot. Um, I love the fact that they have that stoner vibe, but they also have a lot of fun with it. And I agree that, yes, they do write bangers. It's interesting that you mentioned um, The Hunter because my first introduction to red fang was um watching them support mastodon on the hunter tour it was red fang then dillinger escape plan then mastodon which i'm sure you went to as well i went to that as well yeah, yeah. it was good that yeah. one oh fucking amazing i actually saw it at bristol academy which was just uh, it's about half the size of brixton so oh my god it was brilliant absolutely amazing um and red fang you know <laughs> whilst they were my least favorite of those three bands that night they still made an impression which considering that you know, after Dillinger, one of my favourite bands ever, and after Mastodon on actually one of the best times I've ever seen Mastodon live, that Bristol Academy show, um, may even be the best time I've ever seen them live. The fact that I still Mm. was thinking about Red Fang and still remembered um, Red Fang, I think said quite a lot. And I went out and got Murder for the Mountains, um, which I think is an absolutely killer record border borderline classic record i would even say at this point i think it's absolutely fantastic i thought whales and leeches was a very strong follow-up a slight step down maybe but still very very good indeed uh only ghosts i thought was all right i quite like it but i'm i'm not as uh i'm not as keen on it as you um i have to say um I, I like Only Ghosts, but I don't go back to it all that much, if I'm totally honest. I tend okay. to, if I want to listen to Red Fang, it's Murder for the Mountains that I put on most of the time. 
because that mm-hmm. album is just i mean wires and like oh just just a brilliant brilliant record yeah okay that's fine um yeah i i i do like only ghosts it's um yeah like there's i think they've got like flies and cut it short like that opening flies cut it short oh it opens fucking it opens brilliantly i just think it tails off towards the end yeah it probably does tail off a little bit but um they seem to me to on this record have taken um a little bit of a detour from what they've been doing certainly on the last couple of records i think and it's replaced with some fairly interesting ideas but this is certainly a gruffer and rougher sounding record than the last couple of red fang records yes i pulled a face yes 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 you've got to the crux of something here i am strongly against the production decisions the band and producer chris funk have made on this record I, I, I was wondering if it was my imagination, uh, but yeah, um, I, I am too. I am. I am all as I've I've spoken countless times, uh, and to the point where I'm boring myself talking about it now about how I like a raw analog sound over a digital sheeny production, and I so I am all for that. I am all for bands going for a raw analog thing. Um. But the but this album, <clears throat> the production on this album, absolutely crushes and squeezes the life out of a lot of the songs, and it's a real shame because I do think there are good songs on this record. Definitely, well, there are definitely good songs on this record, but I have no idea what they were thinking in terms of the production. It reminds me, and I know that you will disagree with this a little bit because I know you loved this record, but I'm sure you will at least admit that Searching for Zero by Cancer Bats had a, had a very strong reaction against the production job and the production yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. I know you liked it, but, I, yeah, yeah. but most people didn't, to be fair. And that was an example of an album which clearly had good songs on it, no one's saying, you know, um, uh, what's the Arsenic Snake song? You know, that, that song. Ar- Arsenic in the Year of the Snake. Yeah, no one's saying that's a bad song. It's just on the record, it shouldn't have hit the way that, I mean, it certainly doesn't hit the way it does live. I remember seeing that song live once and being like, this new song's fucking amazing, then realising it was from that record, you know. Mm. Um, um, but I feel like... I, 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 it feels like a choice. I'm pretty certain it is a choice, but for me, it is a bad choice. It's a bad idea because it just, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's just no treble on this record. It's almost like it, it's, it's like the antithesis of injustice for all almost like that, re- that, re- <laughs> yeah, that yeah, record yeah. had no bass. This record has no treble. It just, it sounds like a, a really flat mess. And it's a real shame because there are some great songs on here. I also think there are some songs that really drag, to be honest, and and it's not even to do with the production. But well, the the opening the opening of the record, this kind of angular, odd sound from the first. So you get like a sort of intro, mm. and then Unreal Estate. I was a bit like, okay, well, it's not usually what I'd expect or from red fang or not even what i would expect but it's not what i want from them really at all you know it's a really weird odd sounding angular 
thing. And then I think there's the a tie. I personally think there's a good song in there somewhere, though. I just think it's strangled by the production. Maybe, but, yeah. You know. I mean, the, t the, the title track feels a bit more straightforward mm -hmm. as a song. But again, it's that muddy. And the vocals are so far. Like, one of the things I like when you think of the songs I like, like I mentioned, um, Kite Short and Blood Like Cream, and they've got really big Aaron Beam, really, really big vocal hooks but yeah. he sounds like he's been recorded underwater on this record yes yes do you yes, know what i mean it's yes. like it's really strained they're really far back in the mix and i mean the title chat's got this sort of 70 synth prog part just comes in for like 30 seconds yeah. and then just goes again and yeah. you're like why it, yeah it's um there's some really odd decisions that have been made on the record um I mean, interrupt mod, for example. So that's just a minute long. Um, and there's this sort of, I feel like it's there to be an interval track that breaks things up, but it doesn't feel like it breaks anything up. It just, it just feels like a waste of a minute, really. And I know it's only a minute long, but then you also have, I mean, the longest song on the record uh, is Days Collide. Um, and I just think it just sounds like it's just, total waste of six minutes it's slow and ponderous it doesn't really go anywhere um at any point when it does threaten to take things up a notch it's strangled by the production and it's a real shame mm. you know yeah it is i thought that had a kind of that had a sort of slower there's a couple of moments on it that felt like some of the weirder stuff from down on the upside by soundgarden mm. and i was like are you going for that kind of weird like the more experimental psychedelic -y stuff from down on the upside mm. um anod um anodyne is one of the ones that i'm talking mm. about mm. but as well again like day you mentioned days collide the vocals that could have been soaring and melodic and turned it into something quite interesting and then it but he kind of grunts and gruffs his way through it and it's like well i know you don't have to do that yeah yeah, it's it's it's. And I, I know you're capable of, of 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 doing that. And I think like it actually like I actually think towards the end you've got like rabbit in, rabbits in hives, which is a sort of real fast punk banger, and there's a big stomp half the way through. Doctor Owl has got loads of mad discordant shit on it. Doctor Doctor Owl is great. Doctor Owl is yeah. great. Yeah, there, there are some great songs on this record, definitely. And Doctor yeah. Owl. And is then one I of think them. Funeral Coach. Mm. I was like, oh. That's there it is. the song. Yeah, yeah. That's the song. It's got this driving Fu Manchu riff, and yeah. it's really catchy. And it, it was at that point I was like, I thought I was going mad. I yeah. thought I was like, am I misremembering what Red Fang sound yeah, like? Yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. And they don't actually. And I've just not been. I've just not listened to them for yeah. long enough to be like. And I was like, but then like, that comes in. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is this is what they sound like. This is what it's like. And it's weird. It's the last song on the record. And it's like, oh, here you go. Here's what we usually do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, totally. I wondered, I wondered, is this just me being like, well, I prefer Red Fang to sound massive and write these big instantaneous, like I wouldn't even say simple, but kind of like more like lucid sounding, big lumbering stoner rock riffs with big kind of hooky vocal parts on it. But I just think it's this weird production job. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's really like you say it's a really odd thing to do just to a band who who yeah who are capable of being you know so much more 
fun. There's not much fun. It's not really fun at all, this album, is it? No, it doesn't feel fun. And and starting with Take It Back is a unusual thing for Red Fang to do. And look, you know, I want bands to progress and change. And I don't, if Red Fang wants to do something a little bit different, I am happy for them to do something a little bit different. Um, it's just... Well, I'll say it again, the production just does not help them on this on this um on this record at all. And I do believe it's a choice and I really wish they hadn't made it because I think there is a version of this album which could have actually been pretty pretty decent, you know. Um I wanna chuck in um uh, uh uh, I think My Disaster is a great song as well. Kind of reminds me of the um, Nick Olivieri uh, penned Queens of the Stone Age songs. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Again, it would have been better if it had a nice, a, a better production job. But, um, you know, I, I, I do th- I do think there are good things on here. You also mentioned Anodyne, which I quite like as well. Yeah. Um, but to be totally honest with you, I was thinking about, you know, the albums that have come out this year. This is not, this is, look, this is nowhere near the worst album of the year or anything like that. H- however, I do think it might be the most disappointing album of the year so far for me because of how much I like Red Fang and because of how much I like their old work. I'm really saddened by this because. I guess, I mean, I know you don't strictly agree with this, but Murder the Mountains for me was such a high, like a career high. And it does feel like every single album since has just been getting progressively worse and worse and worse for my money. Yeah. And and when, like, the, I was I was ho-hum on Only Ghosts, but I hadn't, I hadn't, like abandoned red fang at all i wasn't like oh okay fuck this band now and i'm not saying that with this quite yet either but i do question why the hell they have done what they have done i think it's mad i think it's. i guess they just wanted to try and do something different which is sort of fair enough i mean the cancer bats thing you know they followed that record you're talking about up with a much more straightforward Cancer Bats record that everybody went, hooray, they're back and they're doing that thing they like again, that we all like again. And I was like, yeah, well, good. I mean, to be fair, I think, I mean, for me, Souls at Zero is a much better record than this, I think, with or without that production job. Um, okay. Like, yeah, I, I, I think, I think for me, Cancer Bats found a way to change almost into a completely different band. Like you say, those are sort of Cancer Batsy songs, but they're a hardcore band and they made mm. a, mm. a heavy sounding hardcore record and I was cool with that. This, um, it, like you say, musically, th- 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 you know, th- it is a much more discordant, weird, awkward sounding record, but I don't think Red it's morphed Red Fang into anything particularly interesting or worth listening to no to be perfectly honest I, I i to be to be fair i am totally fine with them trying that like i think that's good that they're trying something different it would get it you know the red fang formula as fun as it is it would get a bit boring if it's the same fucking thing over and over again unfortunately it just hasn't worked it's just not very yeah, it good hasn't it hasn't worked no, at all great and list. and it doesn't bring me any pleasure to say that at all because i do mm. i really like this band i think they're great i think there's so much fun live um, I think, you know, we a lot of this sort of stoner rock stuff um, where we just sort of shrug our shoulders at and Red Fang are not 
one of those bands generally, but they kind mm. of are on this. And I will say, I AB'd it with um, Murder of the Mountains and Only Ghosts, actually, just to check, because I was like, I, I, I even, I mean, I'll even confess, I, I, I spoke to the PR and I said, is there something wrong with my copy of uh, this album? Because uh, it sounds shit. <laughs> you know, I, I thought there might actually be something wrong with the version that I'd got. And uh, nope, that's what they've gone for. Um, it's a real shame. It, it is a real shame because, like I said, I think there are some really good songs on here, but they are totally strangled by this fucking rubbish production job i don't know what they were thinking no it's weird anyway it's called arrows by red fang it's out now bit of a shame that anyway let's move on to our next album this comes from boss keloid the album is called family the smiling thrush (laughs) this is a pretty interesting (laughs) what the fuck is that yeah 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 i don't know it's the fifth studio album from the uk's own prog doom masters the follow-up to 2018's melted on the inch you know what i'd never really spent that much time paying attention to boss keloid because i just assumed that they were kind of one of them doom bands that i'm totally okay with but rarely spend that much time listening to then i saw them at bloodstock a couple of years back probably not that long after melted on the inch had come out and it was really, really fucking good. Mm, mm. So I was excited about this coming out, Renfrey. Mm. I was actually became excited. I was like, ah, oh, now I'm keen on Boss Keloid in my head. Mm. I'm quite excited to hear what this record is. Mm. But you, you like them, right? Yeah. Well, so Boss Keloid have been a band for over a decade now. Um, but it yeah. wasn't until Meltled on the Inch, uh, which came out in 2018, when they began to introduce far more progressive elements in their sound i think pre uh melted on the inch there, there were prog elements to it but it was far more rooted in that doom sorty sound um uh which interested me less I, I i still think they're quite good at it but you know it wasn't until melted in the inch came out that i really responded to them as a matter of fact actually it was even a bit later than that because just like you um it was seeing them live which made me go, oh my God, they're actually really amazing. Uh, I saw them at Art Tangent, of course. Um, But I received a promo for Melted on the Inch and I thought it's a really interesting record, but I don't know exactly how I feel about it. Then I saw them live at Art Tangent and and it clicked, just made sense. I was like, oh, I get it now. Um, And I I ended up really liking Melted on the Inch a lot. Um, um, it It took me a little while but I really, I think that is a fantastic record and a really individual record. They have a sound and a style which is, I think, takes so many different influences from so many different elements and mixes them together that it does create something quite individual. Um, the for fans of on the press release says King Crimson, yes, Neurosis, Elder, Botch, and Soundgarden. Um, mm. Which you know, yeah, I I can see elements of all of those bands, um, but they mix it up in this really weird way, which gives them a sound which I'll stop short of saying unique, but it's certainly identifiable, unusual and identifiable and bizarre and mm. yeah, I mean the opening song orang of nyon mm. is amazing mm. it's just a mix of these massive riffs quite technical but stonery but being technical and kind of mathy at the same 
time psychedelic synth parts and it's really kind of cool bellowing performance it's nine minutes long and it sort of transports you. it doesn't feel like nine minutes long at all it's like this swirling netherworld that it transports you into mm, mm. which i immediately was like man this sound is so weird and whilst like i say i don't think it is and like you say as well is not unique in like oh my god these things have never been combined together before it is odd enough and mm. weird enough and it's esoteric enough mm. for them to definitely not really sound clearly like anything else mm. Mm. which i think is obviously very very cool definitely and they they have a they they use harmonic pedals a lot um in their sound and harmonic pedals is usually the sort of thing that a band like wouldn't you know would just use fleetingly but it feels like everything they do is through these harmonic pedals and it gives it this really sort of broad sound to every every riff just sounds so fat as a result of it and this really psychedelic swirly type thing um this isn't <laughs> this this might sound like um damning with faint praise and i don't mean it to but when I first heard Melted on the Inch, it really struck me how much um, the vocalist Alex sounds like a better version of Blaze Bailey. I don't know if you get that at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think I know what Blaze Bailey sounds like in twenty twenty one. So I don't know. I do appreciate that that doesn't sound like the most endearing comment in the world. I think he's a great vocalist, and and I stress a better version of. But he has that deep baritone type thing that blaze bailey has as well um he's just you know less cheesy <laughs> um um but yeah but it, it's certainly distinctive he certainly has a distinctive vocal undoubtedly yeah which i which sure, i definitely. which i'll be honest the first time i heard it I, w I really wasn't sure about it at all um and i think it was seeing seeing them live that made it made sense to me mm. but yeah um i'm just gonna bust through how i feel about the songs before we get to what the kind of crux of the rest of the review I think will be. Um, I think the grooves on this album are inescapable and not in an obvious way either. Really, really seductively groovy, just kind of weaving and snaking and waving its way, obviously borrowing quite heavily, I think from Pink Floyd in 60 psychedelica, massively catchy vocal hooks that come in after about you know a couple of minutes on that second song and it ends with loads of like mathy shit it's amazing cecil succulent gets a little quieter then gets even heavier um uh grendel starts with almost a kind of chugga 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 sort of meshuggery mm. math riff mm. um and then it goes in this big physical graffiti thing which is great flat controller is like the bounciest thing that i've heard for a very very long time mm. so I really like this record and it's not meant to be an insult, but let's be honest about this here, Renfrey. This album really only does one thing. Hmm. It does it in different paces. It does it with different types of intensity, but really they do, they've got this quite unusual formula and they're sticking to it for the entirety of the album. Hmm. Now that's not really a problem for me. I think when it's that weird and that catchy and when it comes to my actual enjoyment of the record, I I am kind of love being in that place mm. for for this long, mm. but I know you like to have as much variety and not to have your music sit in the same space as much for too long for over the course of the album. I tend to so like I'd be quite a bit of diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be shocked if you didn't find yourself getting a little bit frustrated with that. 
I think their sound is so particular to them that I kind of give them a pass. But having said that, I do totally appreciate what you mean. And I also think there's a lot of reviews that, in fact, I think every review I've read, I've only read two or three because um, I don't like other reviews to colour my views too much. But I think all three of them said that this is the best record Boss Keloid have done. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't think it is as good as Melted on the Inch. Having said that, I am well aware that seeing Boss Keloid live had such an effect on on my feelings about the band. So I'm kind of like, I want to reserve total judgment until I've seen them live again, which I definitely will be doing because, you know, I think they are a great, great band. Um, but I think for the reason that you just stated, i.e. it is a little... It's, it feels weird to call a record like this samey, but it, it it it's all it's more that it just pull it's it's more that it just does the same trick over and over really, um, yeah. and that trick is quite unusual, uh, which is why I think they can get away with it for forty seven minutes. But it's also, um, I don't know. I get I get I guess if if you come to this and you've not heard Boss Keloid before, you could be like, oh my god, this is fucking insane. This is bonkers, but. I have heard Melted on the Inch and it's fucking great, <laughs> you know, and I'm not totally convinced that this is the best Boss Keloid records like like all those other reviews are saying. I do think it's very good and I do think it's different to Melted on the Inch and I do think it's trying to do a slightly different thing but still be within the same kind of weird, uh, massive riff but psychedelic-y kind of realm. Um, I also, I mean, a song that you sort of passed over, the, the, the title track, um, the first few times I listened to it, I did not realise what it was about. But it's actually, um, it is about um, the vocalist's father passing away last year. And whilst I didn't get that first time around, when I went back to the song with that context, uh, it suddenly made a lot more sense to me and actually had quite a deep emotional resonance with me, which, which... I didn't get at all from the from the first couple of listens to it. So it certainly feels like there's more to explore with it. And I could have a totally different view on this record in a few months time. I mm. like this a lot, but I, I'm not yet in love with it. But I think there is a chance that I will be in love with it, given, given another few months with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, of course. I do you think do it's too like samey? I don't think it is a problem mm. that it's too samey, mm. but it is samey. I understand. Yeah. Too samey. Too samey makes it seem like, you know, if I say, oh, this is too samey, mm. that is a criticism. Yeah. What I would say is that this record is very samey. I, I, I think that's true. Yeah. This record is very samey, but due to the fact that, like you say, it is such an unusual amalgam of sounds mm. um, that I think they get away with it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I don't I don't get bored. If if it was too samey, I'd go, this is too samey, I get bored by the end. I don't get bored with this record. No, neither do I. Don't I don't get bored with it, but I think if I'm looking at it analytically, yes, it's very samey. And I think they would, it, it would 
do well if I'm being super critical because I think this, I actually do really really like this record but if I was being super critical I think this would go from an 8 to a 9 or 10 maybe not a 10 but certainly a 9 if there were if there was something else going on yeah yeah this is an album which is feels really really based on grooves weird psychedelic grooves and like i say i think it's really easy to get lost in this record and you're kind of like oh and suddenly it's over mm. and then you you sort of think back to it and you go i just kind of felt the same the whole way through mm. that mm. but how i felt mm. was really like wow yeah. this is amazing yeah but i felt like that the entire way through like when you think of the very very best albums they captivate you in and, multiple and they, ways they, they scratch different itches yes. in different uh, different times and different places this just scratches one itch really really fucking hard. I, I i think you've yeah i think you've I, I couldn't really put my finger on that but you've done that quite eloquently i think um it's interesting because the reviews i've read i read one 10 out of 10 review and two nine out of 10s and which both both of which i think go objectively wrong um probably for the reasons that you've just said i do think this is an eight which is nothing mm. nothing to 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 be just yeah that's not a snub in the slightest like this, no, this is, this is a, a this is a really review. good record but yes i think you're right i think it does sort of yeah only scratch one itch that's quite a good way to put it and it and and it could go to other places but it just never really does which is a shame but it's not the end of the world. And the other thing that I will say, this is the longest record that we're reviewing this week. It's only 47 minutes, so it's not like a super long record, but it is actually the longest one that we're reviewing this week. But it feels like it's the shortest, which I yeah, think says absolutely. a lot. I did. When you said that, I was like, is it? Oh, fucking hell, mm. yeah. No, definitely, definitely. It, 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 if you'd have told me, what, asked me what is lo which one's longer out of Boss Keloid and Red Fang, I would have assumed that it was... Red, Red Fang. Fang, absolutely, and and it's yeah. not. Red Fang is forty three, and this is forty seven. Mm. So there's not a lot in it, but Red Fang feels a lot longer than this record. <laughs> so much longer when I'm listening to it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's Family, the Smiling Thrush by Boss Keloid, which is out right now, and it brings us to our last album of the week. It's been quite a riffy week. It riffs has. this week, isn't it? Mm, it has. Oh, no riffs next week, please, Renfrew. Uh, well, okay. I, I will say um, we weren't going to do this next record. And, and for that, for, for the reason that I thought it would be a bit too riff spectacular if we did this record. Yeah. But we didn't get the Wolf Alice promo. So. We didn't get the Wolf Alice album. So blame Wolf Alice's PR. Yeah. Uh, part Chimp Drool, the eighth studio album from the Camberwell-based art rockers, the follow-up to 2018's Cheap Thrillers. Now, I'm aware of Part Chimp. Mm-hmm. But I've never listened to them before. Ah. I'm aware of their reputation as a, a fair bit, as a kind of iconoclastic bunch of oddities. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> and that's kind of all I know, really. Okay, okay. Um, I can fill you in a little bit. Um, the Wikipedia entry for Part Chimp says that both in their recordings and live performances, Part Chimp have a reputation for sounding extremely loud. Uh, I once saw Part Chimp support Mogwai um in 2001 or 2002 something like that and whilst i don't remember all that much about it uh i do recall it being a hell of a racket to say the least um they gave mogwai a run for their money in the loudness stakes which is saying quite a lot i must say um and the difference between part chimp and uh, mogwai is certainly back then part chimp were loud 
all the time. And uh, Mogwai had a bit <laughs> more going on, to be honest. But certainly they left. They did leave an impression. Um, but I actually did. Yeah, I have not actually gone in on their records all that much um, since either. Um, but they're from. Uh, they're actually from just down the road uh, from me, from Camberwell, uh, which oh, is nip down and say hello to them. Uh, maybe I will. Um, and I would say that part chimp deal in a quite sort of sludgy, kind of psychedelic. I mean, I do feel like this is the third album in a row that we've talked about that has those influences. Yeah, yeah. Although, although they do all sound. They do all sound different from each other, but they do all take from that pool. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. think the things that the three bands do that I like, you could go, well, that's not like that, and that's not like yeah. that, and that's definitely not yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say a lot of this record has, like, Queens of the Stone Age's sass, uh, but with the heaviness of Caius, probably actually maybe even heavier than Caius. Um, the other... There's a, few, there's a few things that I will... Um, kind of reference i think in this uh this review that are not really got a lot to do with actual stoner rock as well i think ah. there's there, there's bits and bobs in it. i mean i would say the the squalling kind of squealing bass elements on a song like clever recalls oh, early yes. death from above 1979 great song love the um, energy on that song it's brilliant yeah when i when i talk about sort of same difference era entombed and unsane and stuff there's a song called timberlina which reminds mm. me of that i think they obviously listen to a lot of Sonic Youth mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm, yeah, 90s yeah. Sonic Youth, up with yeah, the notes. Yeah. Um, and the Melvins. Now, I was going to say Like Melvins. the Melvins. Yeah, Melvins, all over this record. All over this fucking yeah. record. I mean, the Melvins are a very particular band, aren't they? And the stuff that I really like about the Melvins, you hear something like, Dirty Bird is so Melvins. Mm -hmm. It's so Melvins. It, I would go as far to say as well, there's a song called It's True Man, and that's not a million miles away from Iron Monkey. Well, um, there's an Iron Monkey song called Part Chimp. And I don't know this for a mm. fact, but I'm assuming that's where they got their name from. So there you Maybe. go. I, um, like, I also like that their first album is called Chart Pimp. Yes. So I was thinking Part Chimp, Chart Pimp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, that is funny. They have some great names there. There's Chart Pimp, I Am Come thriller and mm -hmm. four are the uh, names of the albums fantastic and this one's called drool and has some um, fantastic artwork to go with it um it's true man is one of my highlights of the record i love that song it actually has yeah, a guest vocal from hey colossus's tim farthing and he sounds like a demon possessed on it i think it's brilliant and it's really nice it's the 10th track on a 12 track record um but it's really nice to hear a different voice come in there. It kind of like lifts it like a little bit, um, just gives it a little pep towards the end of the album. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, Tim, the other guy. <laughs> you run out of batteries then. What the fuck happened there? I couldn't remember his name. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, oh, you absolute shit. Tim Cedar? Tim Cedar's vocals. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with them at all, but it is nice to hear a different voice at that point in the record. Absolutely. Um, mm. uh, one thing I will, I mean, one thing I will say, there is not a whole, just like the Boss Keloid record, I get there is not a whole lot of variety to be found on Draw, to be totally honest. Although mm. at 38 minutes in length, I think that they just about do enough to justify the running time, like by a whisker. I, I think, I mean, I think they, I, I prefer the Boss Keloid album, so if I'm I. perfectly honest, but I do think there's actually more. In, I mean, 
Park Chimp are loud yes. most of the way yes. through this record. Yes. But at least it's different ty- It's different types of loud. Yeah. I and mean, I've just mentioned a lot of bands who are quite different from each other. And it's not like they're amalgam. Like Boss Keloid, we mentioned a bunch of bands who are quite different from each other. But they're kind of amalgamated into one sound. And then that sound is spat out mm. kind of constantly. Mm. Whereas this is at least different. Part. Like there's one that sounds like the Melvins. One that sounds a bit more like Sonic Youth. One that sounds a bit like, you know, Unsane or whatever. And although those bands aren't radically different from each other and mm. they all tend to enjoy hurting people's yeah. ears, <laughs> there is enough, I think, that is different throughout the record to say that it's probably a more dynamically varied record than the Boss Keloid record. Saying that, it's not as good a record as the Boss Keloid record, yeah. ultimately. I agree. I agree. I do feel like I've heard all of these things before. Doesn't mean that they're bad. Doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy them. Mm. Um it means that this is a decent record. I'm not sure that it's done enough to really rope me into thinking, oh, I should go and listen to Part Chimp's back catalogue. No. I think it's all right. Yeah. I maybe might listen to It's True Man or Dirty Bird again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I think those are both really good songs. Overall, I don't have a super... Maybe I'm just done with riffs. For the week, <laughs> yeah, it has been quite riffy this week. Um, uh, can I go back to listening to the human? <laughs> no, I, I do agree with you. I do agree. Like, part chimp make shit. They make a hell of a racket. And not only do they do that on draw, but they do it. They do do it very well. You know, um, they're not the most sophisticated of bands. They're kind of trying to um, uh, stir your primal urges. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're very, very successful at it. I love having my primal urges. <laughs> stirred. Shaken, but not stirred. Um, but uh, let's not go to, back to Bond. We'll just result in another argument. And, or <gasps> Steve losing another Twitter poll. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yes, I agree with you entirely that, um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's good, this. This is good. But, uh, I, I, but I, there isn't enough on it to make me go, oh, I'm definitely, definitely going to go back to it. But they are really good at what they do, like, clearly. Mm. Really good. Yeah, yeah, they seem like a decent band. Um, but nothing more. I would, I would go and, if they were supporting a band that I loved, I would make sure I got there early, but I wouldn't go to one of their shows myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. There you go. It's called Drool, and it's by Part Chimp out now right that's it see you later thank you very much for listening we will allow you to leave the premises of riot act towers now and we'll be back next week remember go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast where all of our special podcast things are up and available for you now i think the next riot is we review we're doing doing miles davis we should mm. have said that we're we actually going to go in on some jazz that's going to be and well renfrey played the, well yeah then Renfrey played the song. <laughs> yeah, that's just what it sounds like. Uh, next week, amongst other things, we will be reviewing the new album from AFI. Goth, in it. Mm. We love goths. Yeah. Although they're not that goth anymore. No. Uh, you know. It's called okay, Bodies. Look. Could be quite gothy. You never know. Could be. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. I like AFI. I like AFI. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about that this next week. Mm. Doesn't talk about it now. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. See you next week. Bye bye.